0: Good morning. I'm back again. I really thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to come. I just absolutely, I top of come to these times with a lot of trepidation. Am I going to be able to hold myself together? But also a great deal of honor, just to know that uh, that I know almost all of you, and I know that you all appreciate the things that I have to bring and that you believe the Holy Spirit's in me just like in you and that there's something that's going to come forward today. And I I want to grab hold of that. I want to grab hold of what you believe about me and what God believes about me and and, and type of walk in that I don't want to be arrogant but also I want to believe that the Holy Spirit's real and he came and he was living and is living in me. Should we pray please? Oh Father God I want to thank you for every single one of my brothers and sisters here this morning. I want to thank you that that we have a chance just to spend time together and to ponder things that are significant in your heart, God. Would you just allow me to communicate well everything that's on your heart and Holy Spirit, would you be amongst us today and bring things out that you want to bring out and achieve everything that you want to achieve. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Wow. Now, if we just have the first slide, please. We're going to start with a little bit of a video clip, but I need to set the scene. But before I do, I need you to know something. This is a three-minute clip, and yesterday I grabbed the clip out and I showed it to my wife. And there was no, she didn't know it was a test, but it was a test. And, uh, and so I said, you know, hey, have a look. this is what we're going to look at tomorrow morning. And she went, yeah, thumbs up, and I was great. And I thought, okay, feel you pass the test. And then, and there was top of a subtlety to the test, because I thought, well, if I get slapped, I'm not going to be able to show the clip. But Ainsley said to me, she got here this morning, and she said to me, she said, you're going to introduce the clip, aren't you? And so I knew that the subtleties of the test had, had been there. So we need to. Before I set the scene, I need to tell you that a word that is also used to refer to bottom is going to be used in the clip, and I apologise. Mel, I couldn't get a hold. I couldn't. I couldn't beep him out. But, but so take that with the good grace that's intended. I think we can deal with it. I think we can. But you know, as I said, it was important that I that that I uh, honour my wife's thoughts in that. Love you, Ains. Okay, let's set the scene. Mel Gibson, Braveheart. Who's seen the movie? Yeah. Excellent. So it's just going to be a, a, a refreshing grab for you. The armies are gathered. We've got the classic battle before we had machine guns and the ability to top, have war at long distance. We've got the army set up on two sides of the hill. We've got the English and the Scottish. There's defeat in the air for the Scottish. In fact, as we start the scene... The Scottish are there and some of the back guys are peeling off. They're going home. They're saying, we're not in this. This fight is not for us and we're not going to win. Now, there is a whole bundle of leaders there and they're leading in that atmosphere of defeat. But William Wallace has no formal title or position in, that, in, the, in the Scottish clans and yet he enters into the scene. He's building a reputation and he has a plan and we top of see that unfold. And so what I want you to watch is watch... How the atmosphere generates and builds, and has a battle in the atmosphere as Mel enters into this scene. Let's have a look.
1: William Wallace. Can't be. A little tall enough. He says this must be a fashionable fight. It's drawn the finest people. Where is thy salute? For presenting yourselves on this battlefield. I give you thanks. This is our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. <laughs> Paul, the English are too many. Scotland! I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundred. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his eyes. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And three men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Oh! Fight against that? No! We will run. And we will live. Die. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live
0: seems to start back at the beginning again when you're playing videos. Did you see it? Did you see the battle over the atmosphere? There was just defeat in the air and and the leaders who were there, yes they were at the front and yes they had the title and yes they asked for the salute but they'd already lost. They were full of fear and devoid of courage. On the other hand you see a man he just grabs my heart a man with purpose, a man filled with courage, full of hope for the future. He didn't see the things that were immediately in front of him, but he, he had a vision for where he wanted to go. Did you see how as he entered in, his identity was called into question? They, they, they said, who are you? This, the William Wallace we know is seven foot tall. They'd never seen him. They'd just heard of him. And did you see how without leadership, Apart from asking for a salute, the leaders just stood there mute and silent. They allowed the fear of the men to just come forward and break out. And so we've got this battle of atmospheres. We've got this place where William Wallace has come. And did you see that the men that he carried with him, they came with those, those bundles of, of spears because they had a plan. How do you deal with the English who have horseback? And horseback is, is, is just a chaotic thing for men on the ground. And so they had a plan. The men were determined, the men believed in William Wallace and he brought this atmosphere, carried it with him and you could just see the the entire battlefield just watching this one man. How would he respond? How would he deal with their leaders? Because all of them had been crushed by their leaders. And just that was where it was. You heard the comments, we didn't come here to fight for them. Don't you love that? Don't you love the way that you ascribe greatness to your leaders? that when push comes to shove, you didn't come to fight for them. If this was going to be a fight, we're not in it. The English are too many. We've got no hope. And yet William Wallace brings with him this atmosphere that is infectious. And so we see this battle. Sons of Scotland, he calls out their identity. This is the issue here. There's a, there's a, there's a battle going on between the English, who insist on, on bringing tyranny against the Scottish and just wrecking them. And so he calls out their identity and he wants to offer them the atmosphere that lives over him. And so it's there, right there. And he talks about it. I just love the top of the the firebolts. You know, you love that. He's just, he deals with their, with their accusation that William Wallace is a nobody, just ever so gently. He doesn't, doesn't accuse them of saying, well, well, you guys have just got no idea who I am and I've got the answer for you. He just lets that brush. But he says, I've got a hope and I want to share it with you. And so there's this battle going on and you can see it. The, the veteran soldier that gives the, gives the words and says, says, we'll run and we'll live. You can see him just representing. And every time the, the eyes of the, of the soldiers are turned to see what, what's going to happen next. How do we go? And there's this choice that rests with all of them. At first you see the shout, no, no. Will you fight? No, no. And so they're there and they're saying, we're not going to go there. We're not going to be there. But in this place, the, the courage and the atmosphere that, that was resting over William Wallace carried the day. If you've watched the movie, you'll know that not only did he win the hearts and the minds of, of the Scots that day, but they won the victory, and even then later, at the expense of William Wallace's life, victory was won for the Scots. So there was a battle, and I, I wanted you to see almost that if you'd watched the growth of, of William Wallace in the amount of hiddenness, right, you remember that that William Wallace grew up and, he, and, and there was a whole bundle of things that, that happened in his life that shaped who he was. And yet when he entered that battlefield that day, they didn't even know that it was William Wallace. It was like, no, William Wallace is seven-foot tool. We've heard of him, but we've never met him. We've never seen him in the flesh. And so they came into this place where they encountered William Wallace. And then on that day, the thing that he carried, they received and they won the day. And that's important. They carried hope. They carried courage. I want you to hold that in your mind as we top, and now we now shift to a place We I want to tell you a story about a similar unveiling. We talked about last week about the hiddenness that is Jesus and the hiddenness that is in God. Well, Jesus had a place where he was entering into his ministry, and and I want to tell you a story, a story that I love, when he entered into the place of his hometown, and it was a place. It was a it was a a scene that I want you to catch the atmosphere that lived over this scene that we're about to read about and talk about because it was identical to what happened on the battlefield with William Wallace. There was a a place where the soldiers in the battlefield and where the people, the the people of Nazareth, where Jesus had grown up, they were left with a choice. They were left with a choice about how do we respond to this battle of atmospheres that's going on? And we're going to see that The choices were the same for the people of Nazareth, although the decision they made was a different one. And so we saw the same thing. We see a battle. We're going to see a battle over identity, the identity of Jesus Christ. We're going to see a place where a gift of courage was offered to people. We're going to see a place where new hope was revealed and there was a choice to grab hold of that hope. But the outcome was different. Let's have a look just to set the scene again. Let's have a look at Scripture from John chapter 1. Now, this is, this is a place that just sort of sets the scene for the, what's happening at Nazareth. Because Jesus came to be baptized by John. And, and we won't go through the whole story, but I want you to see those words I've, I've underlined, just to really really make it clear about what we're dealing with as we come into this time of Jesus' life. Jesus has been in a place where he's been hidden and he's been He's been subservient to his mother and his father and he's done everything they needed. He's been growing in grace and full of wisdom. You know that history of Jesus. And now there's a place where he comes to John and John at first refuses, but then John obeys what, what needs to be, as Jesus said, and this needs to happen. And it says, the spirit came down on him like a dove and it remained upon him. Wow, that is the first time that is the first time that we know of in Scripture where we know that the prophets had an interaction with the Spirit of God. We know that the Spirit of God came over men. But here is a place where the Holy Spirit comes and resides on a man and remained on him. A foretaste of what's going to happen with us, yeah? But, and, and John, in fact, says, he says, God told me the man upon whom you see the Spirit come and remain, that's the one. That's the one who is the Messiah and you need to baptize that one. And so here we are. This is Jesus, right? Remember, the Holy Spirit from heaven is now resting on a man. If ever there was an atmosphere that you would carry with you, it would be the Spirit of the living God. And if ever... Do you remember that song we sung? I was loving it. Whoa, you point me back to Jesus. Can you imagine it? The Holy Spirit is sitting on this one who is the Son of the living God. He is just hanging out to point everybody back to Jesus. The atmosphere that Jesus carried from that time on, would have just been amazing. And so here we are. I want you to feel it again. The air is pregnant with possibility. Exactly the same way as as we see this entrance onto the battlefield of William Wallace. Here is Jesus entering into his hometown. These are people that he loved. These are people that he loved. He grew up with. And in the midst of of the, the Subjection to his parents. Jesus had a relationship with an entire community, and he would have loved them like no other people on earth. These were people that he had time to to find the the beauty inside. And Jesus, being who he was, would have had hope for every single person in that town. And so he enters into this place where he's in Nazareth, and here he is. And we want to read about it. Let's have a bit of a look. What happens when the atmosphere of heaven enters into a synagogue? in downtown Nazareth. Okay, if we can have the next slide of from Luke. All all three or three out of the four gospels tell this story. But let me just read it for you. Jesus has come as he usually did into the uh, into the into the synagogue and it says that as as he was as he as he usually did, he came in to read. And he unrolled the scroll, right? We read, we read about what he's going to read. This is in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, if you want to follow along. And the experts can't agree about whether it was usual that Jesus found his own place in the, in the book that was being read, because it says that he specifically unrolled the scroll to this portion of Scripture. And, and they're not quite sure if that was usual or whether there would be a, a traditional reading which would just follow on. And each, each time you met, you would read Pick up where you left off last time. But it says that whatever the case, Jesus unrolled the scroll to the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled it and found the place where it is written. And he said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He rolled the scroll up and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Do you hear the words? The eyes of everyone were fixed on him. I can just feel it. This is William Wallace walking onto the battlefield. No one knows what's going to happen, but the air is pregnant with possibility. The Holy Spirit is just almost enraptured. He's seeing Jesus, the Son of God, walking back into a town of people that he loved, the people he had full hope for. The air is just crying out for something amazing to happen. And they can feel it. Their eyes are fixed on him. They're going, Whoa, we don't even know what's about to happen, but it's going to be big. Something huge was about to go down. I type of think that it must be like sometimes what we happen when we worship. You know, when we have worship and we come out of it. And the guys have just led us and we're just going, oh, isn't God here today? Isn't the Spirit just amongst us? We are just fired up for what is about to happen. That was what was happening then. The Holy Spirit was just resting on this place. Let's continue. He began to say to them, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Wow. Wow. They never saw that coming, did they? They must have known something big was coming. But did you see? They actually grabbed it. They actually, the Spirit of God was so powerfully over that synagogue that they actually grabbed what Jesus said. They were all speaking well of him. They were going, this is amazing. They must have just felt the Holy Spirit reaching out over this place and they were grabbing it. They were speaking well of him and they were amazed by the gracious words that came out of his mouth. You notice that I have the dot, dot, dot. We'll get to that. But can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? Here is the Son of God reading words that he spoke hundreds of years earlier, remembering that Jesus is the Word. It was him that said those things to Isaiah hundreds of years before, and now he's just declaring them. people and saying in your very presence these words are now fulfilled and being fulfilled and they caught it they caught it they were going this is amazing but it's a little bit like that battle that happened on the battlefield with William Wallace my dot 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 has a continuation they continued yet they said isn't this Joseph's son do you see it Do you see it? Here is this place where their eyes were fixed on him. They knew something amazing was about to happen. They didn't know what it was because this was Jesus, someone that had lived in their town, grown up in their town for for a good portion of his life. They were speaking well of him. They're going, oh, this is amazing. Something glorious is about to happen with this Jesus who we know. They're speaking well of him. They're catching. Remember that, that, that place where we've got this, no, we'll run, they say to William Wallace. And so you see these soldiers who are, who are grabbing this idea of, do we want freedom? Do we want to grab hold of the atmosphere that's resting over William Wallace? Because if we grab hold of it, it'll carry us, right? And the same choice was there for these people that day. The same choice for them was to catch what the Spirit of God was doing. Jesus had stood in front of them and he read from Isaiah, a text that they would have known well and heard because it, would, it was captured in something they hoped for. This was what they hoped for, someone who would come and set the captives free. And he says, in your presence, this scripture is fulfilled. And they almost grabbed it. They almost grabbed it. And yet, they did not. Isn't this Joseph's son? The rationale ticked in. No, if we fight, we'll die. So we run and live. The same thing happened. And so it goes on, and he said to them, that's Jesus, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, doctor, heal yourself. So all we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. He also said to them, I assure you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came all over the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had serious skin diseases, yet none of them was healed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it on that battlefield? There was a place where the, the people could have turned on William Wallace. He was one man. And even with the men that, he, that came with him, who were his, almost his 12 perhaps, If you want to paint the analogy, they could have been turned on. The soldiers could have said, there's no way we're fighting today. In fact, you're the scourge and we'll actually gain favour with the English if we take you and hand you over. And so the choice was there. The choice was there in that day in that synagogue in Nazareth the same way. They were enraged. They got up, they drove him out of town and they brought him to the edge of the cliff that their town was built on intending to hurl him off. Can you see it? They just had this place, this battle of atmospheres In William Wallace's day, they choose to grab it and to to, to receive what it brought them. And in in Jesus' hometown, in a place where he was full of hope, they chose not to. And in fact, they then turned their their own fear and poured it out on Jesus. And so the outcome was not the victory that we saw uh, on the battlefield of uh, Scotland. But what I want you to know is the presence of God was there that day. The people saw it. Their eyes were fixed on him. The scripture records that there was something about that moment that captivated those people. It was right there, real, tangible. And yet they failed to grasp it. The opportunity to receive the very son of the living God in their own hometown, it slipped through their fingers just like that. Just in that, almost in that moment when they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Now, I don't know the ramifications for the people in Nazareth. I don't know what happened to them past that time. But I do know that opportunity was there and they didn't take it. And I do know that that has been there for me in my life and I don't want to be that place again. Let's have a think about what that is. What happened that day? What is it? What is it that happened that day? Because I can tell you, I want to be on the battlefield with William Wallace and I want to have an atmosphere that gets brought to me. I want to receive it. And I want to go into victory. I do not want to be in a place in Nazareth where an opportunity is, is brought before me and yet I reject it because of fear and because of head knowledge. And it passes me by. I don't want to be there. What is it? What is it? It's recorded in all th- sorry, three of the Gospels out of four, this story, with different things. But if we can just pull up what it says in Mark... It add some, some insight in to help us understand what he's saying. Let's read from Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and he came to his hometown and his disciples followed him, a little bit like William Wallace. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Same thing, isn't it, that we saw in in Luke's gospel? They receive of his wisdom. They're just glory. They're going, this is amazing. This is Jesus we know, and this is amazing. And what about these miracles? This is even something that Luke doesn't tell us. They actually acknowledged his miracles. Here they were, and they acknowledged. They're, They're receiving of what it is that Jesus carries. And yet they chose to be offended by him. It goes on. Isn't this the carpenter? the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And so they were offended by him. And then Jesus said to him, or said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. And it goes on, and this is a key. So he was not able to do any miracles there, except that he laid a hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Do you grab that? That is, just, that is just absolutely just shattering to me. Here was a place where the Son of God entered into his very hometown and the people and their response to the Son of God actually shut Jesus down. The Son of God walking on the earth carrying with him the Spirit of God with air that was pregnant with so much possibility. Any that came to Jesus were healed. We just see it again and again. And yet, it says, so he was not able to do any miracles there, except that he laid a hands on the few. And I think the few that he would have laid hands on would have been people that actually did come to receive. Wow. They could have chosen... receive the very king of kings the atmosphere of heaven was theirs but they chose not to receive it their choice not to honor jesus remember he talks about that a prophet is not is without honor except in his hometown i said that wrong but you, you you follow me their choice to honor jesus shut him down that's just staggering to me he was not able to perform any miracles there We've got to grab that. We absolutely must grab that because what that tells us is that in here, in this place, just the same as on the battlefield with William Wallace, just the same as in Nazareth, we have the place to shut Jesus down. He could do no miracles there except heal a few. The people's choice to not honour Jesus, the Son of God, resulting in in them being unable to receive what he carried. That's significant. That is really significant. I just, this, this, this thought has just grabbed me this past year. I said to Rob 12 months ago that I'd, I really would like to preach on this and, and here we are today. But this thought grabs me. The fact that in our place and our choice to honour or to not honour, we actually shut things down. We actually shut down the ability of Jesus to issue forth all of the goodness of the Holy Spirit simply by our choice to honour or to not honour. And if this response, if this response to not honour has the capability to shut down the very Son of the living God, full of the Holy Spirit, how much more do you think that we have the ability in our in our own lives to shut down the operation of God? in our own relationships. It's true. We'll come to it. It's true. But on the other hand, how much more, if we will honour, do we have the place to receive everything that is given? Jesus put it like this. If we can have a look at Matthew. He said, The one who welcomes you welcomes me, and the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Anyone who welcomes And this is, this, this is that, that very thing that we saw happen to Jesus, and he's now saying it happens with you as well. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a righteous person because he's a righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. And anyone or whoever gives just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, I assure you he will never Lose his reward. This is really important because Jesus just lays it out for us. Do you see the three examples that he gives? He says, If you'll receive a prophet as a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. And what is a prophet's reward? To hear from God. So if we will receive a prophet as one who speaks the words of God, we will hear from God. If we receive a righteous person as a righteous person, we will receive a righteous person's reward. If we receive someone not just as a person on the street, but as a disciple of the Son of the living God, then we will never lose our reward. That goes to the other things that Jesus said, if you do one to the least of these my brothers. But it's about recognizing and honoring who people are, and who people are in themselves and who people are inside of Jesus and in Jesus' eyes. How do we then define this principle, it's this place that I've of been building to, this principle of honour. The word in the Greek word, and I can't pronounce the Greek word, but the Greek word speaks of two things, value, that is money paid. So when we honour something, we recognise that it has value. So if I look at a, at a beautiful necklace and I recognise that this is not just something that was bought down at Red Dot, but this is actually something that contains diamonds and is full of precious stones, and I recognize the value that it contains. It also speaks by analogy of esteem, especially of the highest degree. So when we're looking at what it is that other people bring. And so this is the challenge then for us. This principle of honor. It comes from a a book called Culture of Honor. But it says this, The principle of honour is accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. I love this statement. Karen often speaks about positioning ourselves. Karen loves this idea, and I love it too, of, of positioning ourselves to receive from God, positioning ourselves to be in the right place to receive teaching. It's just something that, if you've heard Karen preach, It's the type of something she says many times, and I love it. How do we position ourselves in relation to other people to honour who they are and who God is in them so that we can receive what they have to bring to the table? I just love it because where we honour God in others, we gain access to their anointing and to their spiritual gifts. Isn't that amazing? If If you think about our place as the body Right? Remember the body, Paul just goes over and over this. He says, we are the body because each of us have need of one another. And so the question is, how do we, how do we have a choice to live in isolation or how do we have a choice to, to link out and reach into the body? And one of the keys is our ability to recognise and honour who other people are and what it is that they bring to us. And if we choose differently, we have the capability, same as with Jesus, to shut down the things that the Holy Spirit would bring. Because remember, the Holy Spirit gives gifts across each of you. Each of you have unique things that are crucial to the survival and growth and and flourishing of this place, Beachway, and what God wants to do here. And we need to be connected in a way that allows us to receive, not shut down. It's crucial. You might even say that life flows through honour as we recognise and honour who each of us are, that it is the ability of life to flow from us to others and from others to us. I want to go, if I can, just through four personal perspectives about honour and just to help you understand how I'm coming through this journey. The first thing I want to talk about is heart attitude. When our heart attitude is positioned to honour, we set our lives up to receive. You know, I've got a little story from last weekend that just really grabbed me about this hard attitude thing. We had Peter's birthday, and so there's a number of us families that gathered at Steve's and Mel's place, and we had a big barbecue. Awesome. And in the, in the chunk of the afternoon, there was a time when, when there was 15 children under the age of I'm not sure what in the pool, and there was one adult, and that was me. And we had an absolute ball. But what I want you to know is that, that my attitude in the midst of those young children is something that positions me to be able to receive. Do you remember when Jesus said, unless you're, unless you're like one of these little ones, right? Let me, let me paint it for you. I was just reflecting on it because my attitude was in a place where I said, I want to receive. I just want to receive. You know, I had, I had Ethan and Sully, neither of whom could swim, right? You know? Neither of whom could swim. And so what they would do is they would jump on the edge of the pool and they would launch themselves out into the middle of the pool and I would be there to catch them. Right? And I was teaching them. I was teaching them this, this, this idea of, how can you jump off the edge of the pool and then get to the surface and grab the edge of it again? And it was, it was absolutely glorious, because here's a young boy who just can't swim, and yet he knows that I'm there and that I'm going to catch him. And so you, you, you see that I'm stretching him. So he jumps in, and you watch him struggling for the surface to get to the edge to hold on, and he's going, I can do this, and then he goes... I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And you can see this look on him and then, wow, just grab him and he goes, it's okay. Daniel's there. How's that? How amazing is that? Unless we become like little children, you know, we're jumping into the unknown and we're just going, I'm launching myself because I'm confident that I can't catch it, but I know someone who will. Yeah. Isn't that us? Isn't that us? And I tell you, I want to receive that. I want to receive that. If you see how young Eve jumps off the side of that pool, no fear. Confident that, that when he lands in the middle of this thing that's six foot deep, that someone is going to be there to pick him up. Love it. You know, there's this statement, no child dreams of being insignificant. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that as you, as you sit amongst a group of children, right? Perhaps there's obviously places where when children are abused and, and there's a lot of horror stories from overseas and, and even in Australia. But in the midst of our church, no child dreams of being insignificant. You don't see them as they interact with one another, feeling like everything is geared towards, do I need to stamp my position of authority and power and, or am I going to be rejected by the people around me? Yes, there is some of those things. But, but their significance and their identity is built in who they are and they love it right i want some of that i want some of that i want to believe with all my heart that that my life is significant before god and with others and and the courage they have just to live their identity out i want some of that and i'll honor those children to receive it think then about our relationships because that's my heart attitude the next thing the next thought i have is when our actions are motivated out of honor we establish and promote life-giving relationships you know, I want you to think about, you know, we have, I have with the young men in Youth Connect and I put a challenge out six months ago to some of the guys about, about how they relate to their teachers and, and about praying for their teachers. You know, I said, this is, you know, there's so much in the school world which is critical of those that lead. How about we turn it around? And, you know, six months later, just recently, I had a testimony from one of the young guys. I'm asking, what's God doing in your life? Just asking the guys, what's God doing? What decisions have you made? And one of them said, you know, I did it. I've been praying for my teachers. You know, I made a choice. And I thought, wow, how, how awesome is that that someone can just grab something that, that I offered quite a while ago and then take it and run with it? You know, how often do we hear things and never put them into action? You know, how often do we struggle? I want some of that. I will honor that young man and his ability to walk in faith. How about, how about uh, testimony? You know, I, I told a story last time I preached about. I want my knife back. Some of you may remember it. And at our men's breakfast, one of the young guys in the church came to me and said, i got a young, i got an I want my knife back story. You know? And a place where he had taken a story that had probably been declared here and been in a situation where he said, I've lost something in Jesus. It's not like life or death, but I want my knife back. You know? He grabbed hold of a testimony and said, God, can you do that again? I want some of that faith. I need it. I need it daily. What about public acknowledgement you know this is a really important issue for me in the midst of our church when we intentionally acknowledge the holy spirit gifts in people around us we set our life up to grow strong in the church and in a similar way when we humbly and intentionally acknowledge the holy spirit gifts in our own life we position ourselves to build into the lives of others around us now this is important this is critical this is type of where it really 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 hits the road i see you know, there's a place where we can come around and, you know, I can enter into the church, you know, for my story and enter into the church and I've got some, some challenges about how does church leadership work and I've got some ideas. Maybe some of them are good ideas, right? Maybe they are. But I've entered into a place where there are others and certainly others in leadership. Now, I can, I can struggle with the ideas, but will I honour those that lead? This is a place for me, a place for me to say, Rob, has been given of God to lead this place, and I'm going to honor that. I'm going to grab hold of it. That's significant. That's significant. Think about this year. Mick and Carmen have, um, have been into this place where they've been asked to oversee youth and young adults. Now, I, with the youth team, you know, I could say, Oh my goodness, here's a promotion for a young bloke. What's that all about? You know, there's a guy He's not even. I know I didn't want Carmen to leave the church, but flip, I didn't want Mick to come in. And, you know, I got a choice. I got a choice in my heart. I can say, what's that promotion all about? Right? But if I if I look through eyes of honor and say, you know what? That is awesome. This man has been given of God to bring some amazing things to our youth and young adults. We are going to see growth and flourishment and blessing because Mick and Carmen minister and oversight and bring prayer and leadership into youth and young adults. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to publicly declare that, and I've said this to Mick personally, I want to see what you do grow. Anything you need me to do in submitting to your leadership in that place, I'll do that because I want to see what God has brought to pass come to pass. I want to see it happen. And so I'm going to acknowledge Mick and say, and sorry to sing you out, Mick, but you know I honour you. you. know I want to see that come to pass. And I want to do that publicly. It's not to, it's not to make a song and a dance, but remember it is that Jesus said, if we will honour a prophet as a prophet, we'll receive a prophet's reward. If I simply say, Mick, you're a brother, you know, I don't want a top of what? Oh, I don't want a top of oh, looking up, no, not happy with honouring. You know, if I'll receive Mick simply as a brother, then I'll receive some blessing, but never the blessing that was intended to be unleashed. I have the power to shut it down. Because if we receive as a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. And so it is that if I honour Rob, Right. If I have aspiration to leadership, if I honour Rob because he leads, then God's going to grow in me something and maybe one day. If I honour Mick in what he does, then I'm going to be part of seeing the youth and young adults of Beachway just explode beyond our wildest dreams. Wow. Yeah. And last one for you, my personal thoughts, is about the Holy Spirit. And this is a big one for me. When we honour the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we invite his continued work and his increase in our lives. Now, this is a big one for me. I want to tell you a really quick story because I'm, I'm short on time and I do want to honour Beck. When I was at uni, there was a man, Brad, who was my best man, absolutely amazing brother at Churchlands at the moment, Brad Taylor, if you know him. And he was one of the guys that prayed for me to receive the gift of tongues. And that was big for me because it was, a real, it was a real type of journey of faith to get to that place. But, you know, I received that gift in uni some years ago. And there was a place where I let it dwindle, you know, because I didn't really honour what Holy Spirit had brought to my life. You know, I came into prayer gatherings and, you know, we've got some amazing men and women. Have you ever thought when you're praying in a, in a gathering and, and you see these just men of god and 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 god is just you know you s- he everyone's tongue is different and somehow you think oh that person's tongue is way more impressive than mine you think oh my goodness how could i ever pray in tongues because i'm just i just can't be like that person and yet what's the fact the fact is god said this to me even only recently like about a month ago you got to honor what i've done in your life if you want to see increase if you will not honor this thing this in this place the gift of tongue if you will not honor What I've brought to your life, how am I going to bring increase to you? Because when when I bring things to you, you simply dishonor them. You shut them down. God's gentle, right? He understands our fears. But equally, there's a place to say, I will honor. I will honor what the Holy Spirit does in my life. Because if we will not honor, then we will not see increase. We're just going to see shutdown. Similar thing, similar thought. You know, Bill Johnson says this. He says, if you can't get excited over a headache that goes away, then God isn't going to trust you with an empty wheelchair. Yeah? Same thing with the Holy Spirit world, right? If you cannot get excited about a person, whether it's you or your son or someone else, when a headache went away because you prayed for healing, God is going to really struggle to trust you with an empty wheelchair. So let's get on and honour what Holy Spirit does in our lives. Let's grab every single thing and say, this is not of me, this is of Holy Spirit. And we're just going to, to honour it and we want to see it increase. So there it is. You know, there's so much more I could, topper love to say. But I want you to remember that our choice to not honour God and other people has the capacity to shut down the work of God in and around our lives. And equally, our choice to honour has the ability to set free an amazing life that just spreads over the church. If you guys would just love to, to see more of that happen. Let's just stand, maybe, and we're going to ask God to, to promote that amongst us. Oh, Lord God, I want to thank you for, for this amazing principle of honour that, that you've just demonstrated in, in the scriptures and in the lives of those that you walked with on the earth. Holy Spirit, would you just grace us to honour and to value everything that you do and every single person, be it the young ones, be it the youth, be it men of stature in this church, would we honour them for who they are, that we and the church receives the blessing of who they are and the church would go strong. We want to ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, if if anyone would love to, to, to be prayed for about that, then, then I just invite you to, to come forward. We've got... A number of the uh, the guys in the church who just love to do that, but please head downstairs, otherwise, and and collect your children. I'm a few minutes over, so I apologise for that. But but please, if 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 anything that I've said has type of grabbed your heart and and you think there's a place for God to unleash stuff in you, then please, we just love to pray for you and and to ask God to bring increase, because I'm convinced that God wants to build our church and He is building our church, and I want to see more. I want to.